Hey everyone, it's Zach here, and I just wanted to give you a quick heads up before we jump into our first half of the top 10 games of all time. We, you may notice the second we start talking that I stuffed up big time with the recording here. My apologies, please bear with us, I promise that things will be back to normal for next week's episode. So yeah, my apologies once again, and uh, enjoy our top 10 favourite games of all time. Welcome to News to Reviews, your place to be for gaming news stories, and also your place to be for impressions on the latest games coming out every single bloody week, and sometimes older games that we also happen to be playing. But uh, this week, it's not going to be a normal news and impressions episode, though, is it, Lockie? No, Zach. Um, we've got a Christmas present for, for all of you, mates. Um, we're going to be doing a top 10 showcase of games that we absolutely love, um, but we can't seem to come to an agreement on <laughs> how, on how we are ranking and, and showing these games. So, Zach, do you want to tell me how you came to the conclusion of ranking this thing? Okay, so uh, look, I don't know. I, I kind of just I have fun with top ten lists, uh, and so I was like, screw it, I want to do one. I don't, I don't take them too seriously. You know what I mean? Like, if someone comes at me in two years' time and says, hey, you wrote this as your number one, but this is number three. How could you ever do that? How do you have any credibility? I'll go, mate, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just looked at it as like, yeah, it's a bit of fun. So I decided, fuck it, I'll rank it. And it was tricky, like, coming up with, uh, like, like ranking it from, from one to ten. But, you know, I got there in the end, I I, I think. I think I'm happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. I thought it was. I, I found this entire exercise um, <laughs> first of all really, really fun. Thinking about all the games that I absolutely fucking love and I want to talk about, mm. and then really hard because it was very easy to fill up that list quickly. And so I've got, I've got a fucking um, rough draft here of thirty that I had to whittle down really quickly. So I started off as okay. I'm only going to showcase one game. Um, from each franchise that I loved the most, which was hard in and of itself. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then in the end, I had to just go, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to talk about 10, 10 games that I absolutely love. I believe we're going to split this out into a two-parter over the Christmas break while everyone's on holidays and while I'm off getting my face smashed in. All right, yeah, so it'll be our first five this week, and then the following week, it will be our next five. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a sexy way to say that. Yeah, no, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't think of it. Is there a sexy way to do a top ten? Uh, no, let, let's say it's your, you're getting your first um, your, your first five from each of us this week, and then you're getting a bonus extra five <laughs> times two. The leftovers. <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> no, no, bonus extra. No, no. Oh, the next one's the good one, because that's going to have my top five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you still got to listen to us uh, in yeah. the new year. That's right, that's right. Alrighty, so, yeah, so because we're both stubborn, uh, I will be ranking mine and Lockie won't if you haven't gathered that already, but uh, let's uh, let's start cracking into our, our, our 10 favourite bloody games. So, uh, did, did you want to get us cracking, Lockie? Mm, all right. All right, so I'm going to start off, first of all, giving, uh, giving that big caveat that, yeah, I, I couldn't rank these games... Um, within their own genres and that and the thing is 
my gaming list um, is going to have a couple of curveballs. So you're going to have your typical, uh, that game should have been the 10 out of 10 because everyone loves that game. Um, I'm, of course, talking about Ocarina of Time Nintendo 64, but I went with Majora's Mask uh, for personal reasons. So Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah no, look, I've, I've heard... That- Definitely Ocarina of Time is the more popular one, but I've heard, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Colin Moriarty from IGN back in the day, and then he was on Kind of Funny, and now he has a a Sacred Symbols podcast, but he's a pretty popular uh, video games journalist and personality, and he, he, yeah, he's in the the, the same mind as you, he prefers Majora's Mask, the the dark tone. (laughs) Was his reasoning? Is, it, is yeah. that is that the? Do you get those feels from yeah, it? Is that yeah. what you like about it? Yeah, the Zack Snyder um, dark dark mm. universe um, mm. definitely is one of the reasons. So, um, yeah, let me let me just jump into it. So, um, it's it's fascinating. In fact, I think I even said Majora's Mask, assuming that everyone knows the Zelda Dash franchise that comes beforehand. But just for anyone that doesn't know, this is from the Zelda series, um, which is absolutely. Uh, behemoth juggernaut of, of Nintendos that they have milked to every last um, cow tit um, out there. Um, there's no milk left. No, uh, no, nah, nah, that's not true, bro. Yeah, 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 plenty of milk in Breath of the Wild. I know, I'm the only fuckwit that couldn't get past the tutorial because <laughs> I thought it was too much like a, a, a weak sky. <laughs> I will eventually play, play that and give that a proper shot, but yeah, there, this is the type of personality you're dealing with, a real a real alternative fuckwit that just can't seem to enjoy things mainstream. And that's the reason why I went with Majora's Mask. So <laughs> Ocarina of Time is hands down one of my favourite games um, forever, and I would easily score that a 10 out of 10 game for the Nintendo 64. And I suppose when I came to sort of tossing up between Ocarina and Majora's Mask, for me, Ocarina of Time is a 10 out of 10 conventional game. It plays it straight and it does it perfectly. It's just a perfect, normal game. Whereas with Majora's Mask, they, for me, it was just so incredibly creative with what they did, with already existing assets, their story, their world that they had going on, that I had to go, this is a 10 out of 10 unconventional game. It's something that was created in, um, it, it was produced in less than a year, after the success of the Ocarina of Time franchise. And the and the game that they actually came up with was just so incredibly dark and twisted. Um, and it has a lot of side quest storylines that have stuck with me that I, I can actually remember. And I can't say the same for a lot of other games. I mean, my memory's dog shit. So when I commit something to memory, it has to mean something, right? Yeah, it's it's impressive when a developer can can use assets from a previous game in a new game. And, and use them in a way that just doesn't feel like they're rehashing old stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, it can, so often that can go that can go very poorly and just seem like they're, they're being being lazy. But yeah, when they can pull it off, they can yeah give you something in a, in a nice little time frame and something amazing and creative like Majora's Mask. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I never got to play these games, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, fuck. I didn't have an N64 growing oh, up. Oh, no, so. your parents didn't love you. Yeah, oh, I'm and, sorry. And, and Zelda wasn't exactly like a, a party game that you'd play when you go over to a friend's place yeah. and start hitting up N64. Like yeah, but was. everyone was fucking talking about it. Oh, look, yeah, look, well, yeah, I, I guess I had friends. I'm pretty sure I had a friend who had Ocarina of Time, but yeah, no, I just I never never got into it. It was always, yeah. if I was at a friend's house, it was always Mario Kart or Smash Brothers, even a bit of... Pokemon Stadium, 
a bit of Mario Party, you know. But yeah, no, uh, ne- never, never the Zelda games on N64, which I think, yeah, I, I definitely missed out back then. I was, I was stuck on uh, Crush Bandicoot and simple stuff like that, I guess. Oh well, if you're ever, if you ever have a couple of hours to spare, I would. Um... Lend you my fucking Nintendo 64 so you can play it. It's so good. I don't know if I could go back now. It just looks like I, I, I feel like it's one of those games. Like because I, I saw it, I had a 2DS before, and I saw it was available on there. And I was like, do I want to play it? And then I just looked at the graphics. And I'm like, nah. Look, maybe if they release a remaster or a remake at uh, some point, I'll give it a crack. But I feel like it's one of those things you'd have to have played it back in the day to be able to enjoy now because the graphics are just so dated. The controls, the yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but you don't play these games for the graphics. I mean, like at that time, <laughs> it was it was considered um, breakthrough. But nobody played Zelda because oh, you know, you got to see how fucking real everything looks. They wanted yeah. to play it because it's an immersive world. Um, obviously, you have to suspend um, you know disbelief in the whole yeah. in the whole graphic side of things, and yeah. also the the general narrative structure. You have to suspend yeah. disbelief. Anyway, just yeah, but, well, just just for me personally, I think I just like yeah. old games for me. They got to really hold a solid place in my heart to be able to go back to. Like even PS2 games, I, like I, some of them I can play, but then some of those just control wise and, and whatnot, they're just outdated. Like a lot of games like Zelda, they, 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 you know, they set the standard at the time <laughs> and they, then they, they, and they, uh, uh what's the word? Uh, they, they influence so many games afterwards. So I've seen a lot of what they've done in this game in other yeah. games later on down the track. And then a lot of games have done it better just going back. And it's just, I don't know. Like, there's nothing that can really surprise me, yeah. really, and it is there. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, but that's a yeah. So, I, so I would say yeah, yeah. you're not playing it for. If you were to play that game, you're obviously not playing it for the game mechanics, and you're not playing it for a pure, I'd say, visceral entertainment perspective. Why are you playing it? I'm no, no, but, no. That's what I'm saying. You'd be playing it for the immersion and the story and the art that comes with it. So, this is yeah. one of the few games that. Zelda Ocarina of Time is an amazing game, whereas Majora's Mask, the way that they tell their story and the world that it interacts with, um, everything runs really tight-knit over the course of three days, which, you you know, the game mechanic is you keep having to reverse time because the world is literally going to end if you're not able to figure out why a goddamn moon is crashing mm. into the planet. It, it, it's just such a creative... And um, immersive world and st- and all of the stories that come with it. You know, one of my favorites is um, the Romani Ranch, where it's this little girl and her and her older sister that that run this ranch. Don't know what fucking happened to the parents, which is kind of creepy in and of itself. But the little sister is is convinced and preparing for an alien invasion that are planning on um, stealing the cows away, and the older sister doesn't believe her. And, you know, lo and behold, it turns out that she's right after, uh, after the, the night of the, I think, the second day. And if you don't help her in that quest and you see this area afterwards, all the cows are gone. Yeah. The little girl um, is traumatized and it seems like she's been brainwashed. So Spoiler for creepy. a 20-year-old game, by the way. Yes. Well, yeah. well I think um, people can expect spoilers. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah. yeah, 20 years old. Yeah, so it's that's just an example <laughs> of... Like, this is just a side quest. There are hundreds of side quests in this game. And this is just a side quest that goes on okay. for you for you to do and explore and figure out on yourself. And just mm-hmm. the the feelings and emotions that come with the story and how it's told yeah. is very, very, very impactful. Yeah. And we're talking about a game where all of the inhabitants of this world 
know that they're going to die. Yeah. They don't say it outright, but it's it's inherent because it has such a gravity of depression yeah. in all of their tones and all the things that they're doing that you figure it out. You know, one really impactful story is between Andrew and Cafe, yeah. where effectively they're trying to get married before yeah. the world ends. That's all they're trying to do. Um, and, and a lot of shit goes down and there's a lot yeah. to this story and they, you know, they have a lot of things that are holding them apart. And basically you over the course of three days have to do all of these things in a very specific way to ensure that they can actually die together. Okay. Yeah. So it's got a real apocalyptic end of the world it's, vibe to it. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds uh, amazing. And it's funny. Like, yeah, when I was saying influences in other games before, that's such a common influence. It's a, it's a pretty common thing, I guess, across all media. So you, the apocalypse in movies and TV shows and things like that. But, yeah, like, it, it, for games, I, I guess that was a pretty new thing back then. So, very, mm. yeah, very cool. Uh, well, yeah, look, maybe you've twisted my arm on, on that about going back and playing it. But uh, as far as those games that I, I don't think I could actually go back and play, not the, 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 like, and it still made my top ten just based on how I enjoyed it at the time, but the, current, the, the original version, oh, I don't know if I would replay that. Now, I'd probably go with the uh, updated version. But the game I'm talking about is... Pokemon Silver. So I, I picked Silver in particular because uh, you know it was you know, Silver and Gold were the, were the ones that released at the time yeah. side by side, and Silver was the one that I that I chose for no reason whatsoever as I just decided to. Oh, at that's the good because I was a gold man. There you go. There yeah. you go. Mate. I think most people were because they wanted Ho Ho. Uh, but yeah, then uh, yeah, that was this game was developed by Game Freak and it was released in November of nineteen ninety nine. Game Boy Color. Mm. I remember I had a, a Game Boy Color, one of the Pokemon ones that was yellow and had a picture of Pikachu on it and all that. Oh, God. I remember when I got, got my Game Boy for Christmas. Yeah, I, all I wanted was a, a Pokemon uh, for Christmas. And, yeah, then Santa, or, you know, yeah, uh, my parents, oh, shit, kids, hopefully no kids are listening. <laughs> uh, they did not know what to get me and got me Pokemon Pinball. Which What? Yeah. Pinball? Pinball. Oh, my God. Like, you know, old pinball machines? Yeah. Yes, on Game Boy. So, oh, of course, no. what every child wants. A discount Pokemon. Apparently, it was a good pinball game back in the day, you know, but <laughs> I was just very disappointed that I did not get the Pokemon game that I wanted. But, yeah, yeah eventually, I think for a birthday or a year or two later, I managed to get Pokemon Silver. So, I was oh a bit late to, late to the party after everyone. But I remember sitting in the top bunk of my bunk bed yeah. and just laying there for... Hours playing Pokemon Silver and just loving it, like and having to beg my parents for more double A's so I could keep playing. And oh, yeah, 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 no, Pokemon Silver is so fun. I had a neighbor, over yeah. back, uh, uh, like who lived behind us, and uh, and yeah, they they had uh, gold, I think. So we used to battle and trade and things like that. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, how, yeah, how I had so much fun it? with yeah. this as a kid, so much fun. It was my first ever RPG, and I didn't realize at the time I was playing uh, an RPG. Yeah, it is, isn't it? For, for, for me, yeah, it was my I mean, first ever. Is. And yeah, and I, I just, I, it just made so much sense to me that you get these Pokemon, you level them up, and they learn new things, and you battle them. It's like because I love the show as yeah. well, so it was. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I remember I got all my, my favourite Pokemon up to level 99 and all that crap. I yeah. spent so much time just doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, what a game. I love it. it and it's funny that, like, you know, even describing Pokemon as an RPG, you don't really think of the Pokemon title as a typical RPG. It's a bit of a one-of-a-kind one sort of thing. I mean, you had a lot of yeah. knockoff, um, you know, gameplay mes- uh, mechanics being adopted after that because it was really easy to sort of design a game with, you know, all your... 
all your um, different creative little monsters to um, you know have a couple of limited move sets to yeah. uh, hash it out. Well, it's a JRPG technically, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like it, it's an RPG that's made by Japanese people, like yeah. most games are, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But well, but but like um. A JRPG, in my mind, has to have really anime-as-fuck characters, and as much as they had an anime running at the same time, the the, the graphics were so limited the way you just had the, you know, uh, you had the classic little, um, little yeah. very basic sprites. You couldn't really... I can't think of it as an anime-style game for its time. It just feels like one... <laughs> And it's become that now because, like, yeah. you know, if you've played the latest Pokemon Shield and Sword, you've got um, mm. everything is straight up anime now. And, it, yeah. you know, it looks looks good as far as the characters are concerned, in my opinion. But it's just, it, it's, uh, it, I don't know. It just, it, it was a very special, magical little time where they were working yeah. with yeah. The, what they could yeah. on the um, the Game Boy and then yeah. the Game Boy Color. And, and a lot of my top ten are, like, a time and place thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think this game's held up that well. I'm sure the writing's probably absolutely atrocious. You know? Oh, like, man. Obviously, graphically, you know, it's, it, it doesn't hold up, I hold think up it's, the greatest. I think but... it holds up all right. It's got um, most of your EVs in it. It's yeah. got an Espeon and Umbreon, which... Oh, um... look, yeah, but as, as I said, like, you know, it's a, I reckon it'd just be one of those harder ones to go back and play. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, still a game I adored so much at the time and very well deserved to be in my top 10 for sure and very well deserving of the number 10 slot uh but yeah so uh, what what is your next game well look i think um just to get it straight off the bat and i think we'll talk a little bit more about pokemon to stretch out the time here is that um i was doing i was quite torn about deciding between um the red and blue pokemon series or the gold and silver and i went uh, yeah and i went with red and blue just because okay um at the end for me, it, it's funny, um, Pokemon Gold, I think I got more value out of as a game because um, you actually get to revisit the old red and blue world of region of Kanto. Yes. So you, it feels like you get two, two fucking games in one. Yes, there was so that. much in that game. Yes. Oh, so, yes. like, I'll, I'll give it to that. And also, to be honest, I think the uh, the antagonist of Gold and Silver was a little bit better than um, than, than Gary. I mean, I mean, Gary, I like Gary. Gary's kind of a cunt. And, <laughs> but the but the gold and silver the guy like straight up you could name him, steals you the could name him a yeah exactly but well and but the thing <laughs> is the yeah the antagonist I don't think what was the antagonist's name I think you get to name him or I else always, he's just question yeah him. I always name them some yeah. something that I would have found really funny back when I was a kid yeah like, like, like a dick or something yeah yeah, yeah something like that yeah yeah, yeah to- totally <laughs> <laughs> so um pretty much for me the only reason why I went with the red and blue series is the music behind it so oh wow well, okay yeah, yeah it's it, a very similar music but is that why because that's what came up with the OG music is yeah that, okay. I, I legit can't that, remember yeah. the the music from gold and silver but I can remember same. I can remember every single town music from Red and Blue, and I, I think that's more of a formative thing. So, yeah. and that's why these um these sort of reviews are very subjective. And um, at least for me, music makes up a big deal of sort of my memory. Like I, I, I'm really keen on music, and I played piano as a kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think um Red and Blue sort of um stole stole it there for me. Also, Ho Ho is kind of shit <laughs> um you, you're all intrigued because you watch the anime as a kid and the very first episode they show a pokemon that you literally can't get from the original pokemon game. yeah <laughs> like what is this po- rainbow pokemon it looks awesome and then like yeah they release it for the next one um and lugia's nowhere to be found 
I think it was just purely because Silver was the first one that I played that it ended up being the big one for me because it's you know sort of opened the door for oh. me. Whereas like I, I did end up playing Red and Blue later on down the track through just borrowing them off people. And oh, like that. so and you I, started I, off on Silver exactly. And gold. So I, I think it could have very just as easily been Red or Blue if one of those was the first one that I had played. But that's the sure. thing. That's the thing, man. You started off on a game where it was literally the base game, but more. Yeah, and you got more Pokemon. You yeah. you got the base game in it. They yeah. they kept the base game yeah. and they had a little bit of a story around yeah. it. it even was, the, the protagonist from the first one was even yeah. There. So like yeah, I I totally he didn't get say it. anything. Like yeah. he just stood there, but it, it, <laughs> it was him for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pikachu. <laughs> I totally get it, and that's the thing. So I think I what anchored it out for me is Red and Blue was just so definitive. Um, it basically yeah. spawned an entire brand new genre of things, and that's where we go into that RPG. Um, typeset just the world had never seen a game of that type before and yeah it just introduced thousands of games um, from it Um, anime series it basically has kept nintendo relevant for the last three decades it's it's one of the best selling uh, game series of all time yeah and pokemon as a as a property is the most profitable property of all time which (laughs) is great it's fucking insanity to me. It's just crazy yeah. how long it's been popular for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy how it's, it all comes back around. Like, my nephew was obsessed with it, and I was yeah. obsessed with it when I was his age. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Super oh, weird. yeah. It, it, I, 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 yeah, obviously, it got its claws into me when I was a kid, so I understand how it happens to the later generations as well, too. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo pretty much can't fuck up with that franchise from a perspective of appealing to the next gen. Yeah. Like, it's always going to tap into something, it seems, with the younger mindset. Yeah, well, even with Pokemon Sword and Shield, you know, that that are probably the most mixed reviews as a a Pokemon game's had in a while, and it's still sold crazy well. Oh, yeah, and I'm still watching YouTube videos of people, like, coming up with fucked up, you know, um, Pokemon strategies and stuff, because I love that shit, man. (laughs) I, I really do. Like, I am... I'm a big nerd on that, but I, I kind of shudder to think that some that that this current generation of children will grow up on Sword and Shield as their main one. Yeah, because that's kind of a shame. Yeah, true. Kind of. I mean, like it's not the worst game ever. It's okay. Oh, uh, they can play Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. That's the same as Pokemon Yellow. Yeah, basically. but they won't. Yeah, they probably. won't because they'll go. Oh, that's just the old one with less Pokemon. Probably not. You're probably right. All right, well, now you've done your next one, I may as well hop into my number nine. Now, my number nine, I actually got, uh, I I, I had this game spoiled for me, and I got to to it really late, like I'm talking years after it came out, and it's still my number nine, because I I still enjoyed it so much, even knowing what the spoiler was, what the big ending, the twist was going to be at the end, and that game was... Bioshock. Oh. Did you ever play Bioshock? It's so funny. I always saw Bioshock on sale because I think it came with the um, with the, the main consoles, I think the PS2 and the Xbox for a while there. Um, but I never ended up playing it. Well, it was actually in the uh, 360 era. I had no idea oh, until, I, until okay, I researched right. for this, but it was initially a 360 exclusive for an, for an entire year and a half. Uh, before it finally came to uh, PS3 in October of 2008. But I still didn't even play it till I think, at the very end of the PS3's life cycle, like around 2012, 2013. So four or five years after it already came out. Now, this game was developed by 2K Boston, which uh, later became Irrational Games. 
and 2K Australia, which was another thing I didn't know. We had Aussies oh. working on this game. Oh, 2K Australia. Yeah, which is really, <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. So eventually this game came to Mac, PC, Xbox One, and PS4. It's Because it's, it's, it's such a classic. I understand why it got re-released so many bloody times. So Bioshock, basically, it's a, it's a first-person shooter uh, mm. where, where you sort of... It, where you're shooting with these sort of interesting weapons, but you have uh, uh, powers as well, which are mm. called plasmids. Um, and it's this, uh, but the, the most interesting thing about Bioshock is the world. You're in this underwater city of Rapture. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was this sort of libertarian uh, utopia that they, that they built down there that, that all basically collapsed because uh, someone invented this crazy kind of drugs that, that, uh, that uh, called Adam. Mm. Uh, that people would use to that made them more powerful and made their plasmids more powerful and people became addicted to them. So eventually, the entire society collapsed. There's so much I could okay. go into. Hang There's on. so much law there. Well, well, hang on. So is that Adam, as in Adam and Eve, or Adam well, as in a- the, Adam? The... Adam is the stuff that you use to like power your guy up. You spend to power yeah. your guy up, and Eve is what you use to replenish oh, to replenish yeah. your actual plasmid ability. Yeah. So they're going all biblical with it. So very it's much very, so. Yeah, very Christian. Understands. Yes. Oh, there's layers to layers to layers in yeah. this game. This yeah. game messes with what it like the meta narrative of what it is to be a, a player in a video yeah. game. And look, I I don't I, I won't spoil it for you just in case you do decide you want to go back and play no, it. No, because this is well, this is definitely one of those ones that really holds up. Oh, okay. Like it's a PS3 era one, but yeah. if you get the remaster these days, it still looks really good. Yeah, so okay. I, I would I would one hundred percent recommend it. And if you have not had this spoiled for you, yeah. then fucking play it. And I'm oh, not going okay. to spoil it for you because if I hadn't had it spoiled for me yeah, uh, yeah, it would have made it. So I won't go into any more about the details of it. But yeah, my God, what an amazing game. The the, the atmosphere was yeah. just absolutely impeccable. Uh, it was one of those games where, you know, when you walk into an environment, it's alive. The, the enemies are interacting with the environment and talking to each other yeah. and, and saying things that are all in line with the theme of the game. Um, to, and it, it, it just makes the world feel a lot more real. You oh, know okay. what I mean? You yeah. still, you'll play games like playing Anthem recently. And literally all the NPCs just stand there and don't move. Like you even, you go into the hub world and a bit of a preview for my anthem coverage later on. You go into the the, um, hub world and uh, basically all the NPCs are standing around not saying a word, yet they've got like background noise of all these people like murmuring as if everyone's in conversation. And it's super jarring as soon as you realize, oh shit, not one person is talking to anybody. They're all just standing around. (laughs) Oh, which obviously we've come a long way in games. You should have better than that by now. Yeah, yeah. fuck. You had me convinced. It yeah. sounds good. Yeah, I want to give it a go. Yeah, Bioshock. Yeah. It, it is. It is really, really good. Yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, uh, sci-fi alternate oh. future. Uh, yeah, well, it's not alternate future because it's actually based in like the fifties or something. Yeah, uh, yeah they, I mean, like, they do that. Like, Fallout yeah. 3 is meant to be in the future, but yeah. it's 1950s style because yeah, it's yeah. just fun to sort of mix and match those yeah, things. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. would def- definitely recommend Bioshock to, to anyone out there, any listener out there who hasn't played it. What an amazing game. But look, okay. enough, I can ramble on about Bioshock forever. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to talk about one. It's fitting that it's my third game I'm talking about, so um, that's the thing I'm going not, not ranked yeah. for anyone. No, no. No, one, no one hold him to that. No, this is ranked in chronological just, order of yeah, me talking about That's just the third it. one he decided yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Nothing to do with this ranking. Yeah, and this is why it's the third <laughs> one. It's because it's called Warcraft 3. I'm talking about the Blizzard oh, title on the PC released yeah. in 2002. Yeah, you mentioned this a, a, a few weeks back on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yep, so this is the game that just keeps on giving. So if you don't know about Warcraft 3 and you 
but you do know about World of War- Warcraft. Warcraft 3 is basically World of Warcraft where they told the stories of all the main characters and all the races that you, you've all learned to love in World of Warcraft that's been doled out over the last decade, but all administered in a single game. You've got Arthas, you've got Illidan, you've got fucking everyone, uh, and it's and it's amazing. Okay, so this is a, a top-down strategy game, right? That's it, yeah. yeah. So it's top-down strategy. This is... Um, what year did this come out? Is this an old game? Now, it's, right? it's an old game now. It's 2002 release. So this was okay, this wow. was the last game that Blizzard did pretty much before they, um, you know, decided to change their business model to MMOs, yeah. and that basically ruined their amazing streak, over the, which had happened over the course of the last six games. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In my original list, I had three Blizzard games... Um, I had three Blizzard games lined up, so I had to um, pick one of the three to talk about because I couldn't just keep sucking Blizzard's old Blizzard's dick. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm so fucking stroppy with how things turned out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was an actual like campaign and there, story to this game. Was. It wasn't just like you know multi- multiplayer oh. and whatnot, like some strategy games are. No, absolutely. So it had both. It was an cool. amazing single player game and an amazing multiplayer. So yeah. it was so meaty in its single player content. You had four races, um, each with their individual um, traits and building types and, you know, tech trees, which was huge for its time. Yeah. Um, and, and they also introduced a really amazing mechanic, which is sort of um, persisted in a lot of game structures today, where you've got your hero character that individually levels up, has their own tech tree. Um, and so they incorporated that, and to great effect, it was an amazing introduction into the game. It's one of the first um, top-down strategy games that was 3D rendered as well. So it looked amazing for its time. I mean, if you look at it now, it's dog shit. Yeah. Um, but it's it was just one of those games that kept on giving, had an amazing campaign and story to follow from beginning to end. I'd say, yeah, my, my favourite campaign was following Arthas's sort of descent into into madness and corruption and becoming... The Lich King, which was just fucking incredible, um, and if you played the original Warcraft games before that, they were they were good. Um, and you know, depending on the time you grew up, you'd you'd probably rank those um, higher. But um, for me, that game just had absolutely everything that you wanted in it. And then um, the best part of it, the custom games function. Okay, and 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 it had an online function as, well, as right. a lot of PC games did back then. Which no. consoles we didn't really. I think we we sort of dabbled in it at that point, but it wasn't very standard. So I'm yeah. sure that would have been a, an awesome element doing oh. custom multiplayer matches and whatnot. It was incredible. So man, this was um this was Steam Workshop before Steam Workshop was a thing, and it gave birth to a lot of incredible games. So. Warcraft 3 had had an engine where you could design from scratch new games within that game model and it would just utilize existing assets within the game. Oh, cool. And you had so many different types of top-down games, not just the, the same strategy model. And this is what leads me into the um, other game, which is sort of an addendum that I'm talking about, is Dota. So, have you heard oh, of Dota? Okay. So, wait, is this another one on your list? No, no, no. This oh. counts as fucking Warcraft 3, mate, because Warcraft, because Dota was made by Ice Frog oh, in, in Warcraft yeah. 3. Oh, come on, man. You... How can you not, how can, how can I not rate that game as okay. one of the top 10? It's right. made two games. Yeah, dude, two of the best. Yeah, I get that, but I feel like you're doing Dota a disservice by not giving its own spot on your 10 list of nah, favorite games. Nah, man, absolutely It seems not. like a cop-out to me. I'm nah, sorry. because Dota, Dota is like a drug, and I can only talk about it so long 
um, feeling good about it before I then it, I then remember that like heroin, it's just you know eaten away my life. And um, yeah, yeah. So definitely, Dota. We're gonna it'll get its own showcase one day, but um, this isn't the platform to do it. But right now, Dota, you're just getting tacked on. Do you you're tacked know, on to Warcraft? Do you you're, know you're worthless? You're, have you're, you, <laughs> can I ask you? Have you ever played Dota before? No. No. Do you know what it's about? I know it's like an arena game, like similar to League of Legends, right? That's right, except yeah. it was the first. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. the first like, hero-based arena exactly. thing, yeah, yeah. It was the first arena-based game, and it was made within the Warcraft 3 custom games um, sort of workshop section, and it ended up, um, you know, having a life of its own because the game was so incredibly fun and addictive um, that, you know, you just couldn't, um, yeah. and it gave birth to an entire genre yeah. of, of MOBA games. Oh. I had a roommate in, in in uni who was obsessed with Dota, and he definitely played Dota to the detriment to the rest of his life, yeah. that's for sure. He had an addiction, that's, it's, that's for sure. It's true, and I, it's exactly like me, and I, I've, I've carried on, and I still play Dota 2, I played League of Legends and Hon and all of those games, and they it's like a little... It, it's a part of your brain that you just can't switch off. Once, it, once it's stimulated, you need more. And it's just the type of game where, because it's um, it, there's so many options in strategy with how you can play the game every single time, no game is like the last, yeah. and it, you can just play it for the rest of your life, which is sort of a problem once you start doing yeah. it for more than a decade. Well, this next game I'm going to talk about, I've definitely had an, an on and off addiction to over the last couple of years, and it's also my first uh, of the uh, more recent games that I'll be talking about on my list. My number eight is... Horizon Zero Dawn. I, I don't know if you remember, but like three, four weeks back, we talked about, you know, the, the rumors of Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. 2, and you could see how fucking excited I was with yeah. that podcast, because I love this game so oh, much. I want to play this game, it looks amazing. Oh, it's so cool. So, for people who don't know, Horizon Zero Dawn was developed by Guerrilla Games and re- was released on the 28th of February mm. at 2017 on... To, exclusively to the PlayStation 4. Yeah, to my detriment, I have never been able to play the game because I don't have a PS4. Uh, well, yeah, uh, look, you've you got to pick up my spare PS4 because <laughs> you, can, you, can, you, you can't use discs in it, but you can download games like God of War and, and, and Horizon Zero Dawn for like 20 bucks sometimes in the PlayStation Store, so I'd definitely recommend at some stage, like if you're looking for stuff to play. Anyway... Horizon Zero Dawn, open world game by Guerrilla Games. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world where robotic animals have taken over. Now, I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it was funny. Initially, when I saw the first E3 presentation mm. of it, I was like, oh, yeah, it looks kind of cool, but you know, nothing about that really interests me that much. Yeah. Why is she shooting a robot with bow and arrows? That makes no sense. And then I, I started, uh, when I first started listening to gaming podcasts, I was listening to the kind of funny podcast, and Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty were talking about this game, and they got to play it before it came out. Mm. And uh, they, they were playing it a couple of weeks beforehand, the embargo lifted about probably a week or so before it came out. Mm. So before it was even released, they were raving about it, and I was like, oh wow, this game sounds absolutely amazing. Maybe I should give it a shot. And fortunately, there was not really anything to play at the time, so it was a perfect time to pick up a game like this. And my God, the second I started playing it, I was introduced to this world. It was the, at the time, it was the most beautiful open world I've ever seen. And like, uh, like it has all these different biomes in it that all look so different, yet they fit in really well together. Uh, Those different biomes will have different kinds of 
people there, different kinds of animals, different kind of kinds of robotic animals. Mm. Uh, the story is amazing. Like it slowly unravels this mystery of what the fuck these these weird robotic dinosaurs and, and animals are doing there in the first place, and and how how the humans came to an end. Mm. I, I'm not, obviously not going to spoil any of it here, but yeah. I, I, I was just, I was so drawn in by this. This A lot of the times in open world games, I feel like it, it's kind of, you know, you can have a, a good story or good side quests, but you, you can't have both, you know what I mean? Or, you know, good, 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 good gameplay. <laughs> you can. I, I feel like there will be a lot where in certain areas they, yeah. they will definitely dip a little bit more. Like, like obviously the best ones will, will do great in all these areas, and that's exactly what Horizon has done. Like, the story is so solid. There's very, very little I can complain about with this game. Like, they, they did a weird dialogue choice thing where uh, you, you have dialogue options that, are, that can make uh, Aloy, your main protagonist, have a different tone with how she responds Sorry, to things. Sorry, what's her name? A lawyer? Aloy. Yeah, it's a terrible she, name. She's a lawyer? Yeah. 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 I, I don't she's, get it. I, well, I don't know. I'm just because is, is that is he saying that she's a lawyer? Is yeah, that a joke? It, it, yeah. That'd be funny if she's. Well, I'm just picturing. So, if I'm correct, this world is <laughs> a mashup of post-apocalyptic mech and prehistoric caveman, cave girl type. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, Aloy, I think it's more of a. And a, she's a lawyer. It's more of a reference to like you know metal, like because you know it's all about uh, alloy stuff. Like oh. Alloy, but it's pronounced Aloy. Oh. Yeah, it's a ter- it's a terrible name, terrible name. But the protagonist is amazing, and yeah, the story is fantastic. But yeah, those dialogue choices don't actually change anything throughout the story. Yeah, it just changes the tone of how she comes across, which I was like. What's the point of that? Like, you may as well just not put that in. I'd rather her just be her own character. Yeah. But, yeah, but, like, that's such a little nitpick. The the, the story is incredible. The and the, the, the Probably my favourite part of it is the combat. The uh, You have to approach, especially on the high difficulties, all these different um, um, robotic dinosaurs and animals differently. Mm. Uh, they, they all have different weak spots, different kinds of arrows that you should use, and you really have to learn how to fight each one. So approaching every new one for the first time was a, was a really cool experience. Mm. And they all react different ways. They, some will be you know, really fast, some will be more slow and lumbering, some will fight from a range, some will get, try getting close. It, yeah, a, an amazing game, and I really can't wait to see what they do with the second one. Anyone mm. who has a PlayStation, if you haven't bought this yet, you're insane. <laughs> it, it, it's so cheap right now. You can get it with the, uh, the Frozen Wilds, which was an expansion, which was also really good. Uh, you know, it didn't live up to as much to the normal game, but like, you know, it's very few games can have expansions that are that good, but still, like, still fantastic, that expansion, for sure. Some of the best-looking snow I've ever seen in a video game, and some really cool uh, fights in that one as well, too. Ooh. Red Dead Redemption 2 snow, though. Red, yeah, Red Dead 2 did beat it out. That, that and Red, Red, Red Dead 2, as yeah. far as a visual, uh, like, a visually appealing open world, yeah. like, I've got to say, like... Oh, you can't, 2, that, yeah, yeah. you can't beat that. You can't beat that. They just... They, they, <laughs> insane the, the level of detail they went into that but yeah Horizon Zero Dawn uh, the number 8 on my list what a right. bloody game it sounds awesome and yeah I've been, that's a game that I've wanted to play for so long because it looks incredible um, and yeah I, I don't want the story um, spoiled for me but it sounds like it has a compelling story as well which mm. is just um, and for awesome. some, and for someone like you who uh, d- like doesn't like to play games that goes for like you know, a, you know fifty to a hundred hours or something like that, or you know starts yeah, to yeah. peter out at that time, you can just play through the main story if you want. It would only take you like twelve to twenty hours or something. Yeah, and play through it like that. And and I've heard of people doing that and having a great time as well too. So 
Yeah. yeah, in saying that, though, the side quests are all fantastic. I wouldn't suggest missing them, no way. Like, I, I absolutely love them all. But, yeah, if you want to get through it, that's a great way to play it as well. Cool. Yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely in one of my, you know, one of my one of my games that I know is incredible and I've always wanted to play but just have never played it. That would um, be almost number one on the list other than Last of Us. Um, and if you fucking talk about Last of Us, it's like, <laughs> a spoiler, then I'll hate you. You have to wait until Yeah, it's because you got the PS games. All right, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about one of my favourite games, and this is coming from a PlayStation. This is a PlayStation Aero 2 um, model um, from 2001. I'm talking about Final Fantasy X. Oh, dang. I thought you were going to go, yeah, that's right, because you didn't play 7, did you? Yes. No, I played I played 7, mate. I okay. Played. No, I played 7, but I played X or 10 first. They, they went with Roman numerals, and obviously it was 10 in the franchise, but you still see it as X everywhere, so I'm just saying Final Fantasy X. It's like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Exactly. Well, you know, X is cooler than 10, so... Um, although, you know, Scientifically, you're absolutely correct. You didn't get Microsoft Windows X. We, because Microsoft are incompetent, we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, oh, it's the best operating system that we've had like right, since just, yeah, since we, seven. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just. Joking. How funny though? They all suck equally. How funny though is it that they um they decided ah fuck it we'll just skip nine because ten is just too exciting. <laughs> so number so, yeah, so yeah, what yeah, was yeah. it that you like about ten right. more than the other one? All right, right? So like, yeah, and that's and that's a good question, and, and that kind of is like the crux. When you're talking about a Final Fantasy game, you're always comparing it to all the others, and it's, it's you know, why does this one stand out? H- H- Sorry, how many of them have you played? That's probably a good question. I'd say all of them. Oh, dang. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's all your top of, of the lot of them. Okay, well, yeah, so, yeah. Why, so yeah, so, so why is that your number one out of those? And Well, that's the thing. So I have a lot of special mentions and a lot of, um, you know, Final Fantasy VI is one of my favourites, and I, I, I mm. you know, depending on which um, era it comes from, so if it comes from the 3D sort of era... Um, Final Fantasy X beats it, but if it's coming from the 2D era, definitely six is my favourite of all time from that. Yeah. Um, but I've got a soft spot in my heart for seven, um, uh, 12 even. I, I know a lot of people didn't like sort of the um, meandering storyline, but I actually really enjoyed sort of um, a less linear story being told, um, although the ending is dog shit. So, you know, I totally agree with people. <laughs> it, it, it really didn't go anywhere. Okay, yeah. um, but I was I was the type of person where I was so engaged in the build-up and the music and the gameplay that I just didn't care, so I kept going. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, n- number 10 holds a special place in my heart because it, it was probably... It was the first of the modern-era Final Fantasy games that I played. Um, so this is where I just got a PS2 and... Um, Final Fantasy X was on sale because it had been out for a couple of years and it was actually the first that opened it was the first JRPG really that I ever played so if you've listened to this podcast before the main character Titus I thought before he spoke was was a lesbian female <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so like it's funny because of the graphical sort of abilities at their time. They tried, they tried making you know a really effeminate looking male, and it just didn't quite work for me. Being you know, I think a twelve year old kid at the time, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's just a lesbian girl. Um, but yeah, it's funny how you sort of learn quite quickly how to reframe your mind and concept of the world after that. And that was really my first exposure into the Japanese style of games. But this game. It just had everything working for it. The turn-based combat was extremely engaging for someone like me that was quite new to the RPG world, so it was really easy to get a, a grasp 
and get into. The progression was exciting and different. Uh, you had this strange um, sphere grid progression where you could take your characters in very different directions to level them up and give them different types of you know combat styles. The only problem with that, though, was it was very unforgiving. So the game is so incredibly long. It's like a 40-hour fucking game. And if you decide to develop your character in a certain direction and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, it's crap strategy, you're stuck. That was 40 hours that you sunk in. Yeah, goddamn. Um, yeah, you're done. Um, so like, It's yeah. all turn-based, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was all turn-based. Yeah. Um, but that type of game, it just had such an engaging world and plot. If you, I've played it in recent times on the new remaster, and definitely if you're going to pick it up, the remaster is, is very faithful to it, so you can, you know, experience it in current graphics sort okay, of. Okay, nice. But it's it's the type of game that was one of the first complex stories that was ever told from my perspective. Um, it was very much you're thrown into this very conflicting world where you're led to believe one thing, it's very heavily religion-based, and there's okay. a good reason for that. They give you mm. a, you know, they've got a fucking giant... The, the premise of the game is that you're you're playing the main character who's been blasted a thousand years into the future um, because this this, ter- this this apocalyptic monster is laying waste to the to your hometown and you're just taken by your best friend who's a total rando mystery into the future and you're a fish out of water learning about this world and sort of what it's like and how it's learned how to cope with this, um, you know, unstoppable disastrous force. And so they they turn to religion to be able to cope with this thing that keeps laying waste to their civilization. So you have sort of a very islandy sort of feel yeah. for most of the cultures in that game. Because it sounds like the leftovers. That's yeah. fascinating. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And that's the amazing part about it is yeah. it's it's any time a civilization gets too advanced, this monster comes and wipes them out. So they're all very much, um, you know, forced into a certain level of technology. Oh. And that's the world that you're in. You learn about it. You have engaging characters in it. You have some fucking awful dialogue, which has been meme to all end, which is great. Great as well. Um, But, you know, the the loves, you have a love storyline as well, which I I, I liked. I liked the whole falling in love with Yuna plot line. And it all sort of worked. Every, there was a lot of, um, it was an engaging plot in the initial premise, but you have so many revelations and you learn so much about this world and how, how corrupt it becomes when, and it's, the, the premise of the game is basically talking about the corruption that mankind brings to themselves, the dishonesty and control that man brings on themselves, and they really beat you over the head with, with a hammer on, you know, they're pretty much going after the Catholic Church, in my mind, on, like, you know, institutional yeah. religion and its corruption. Yeah, wow, that's, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I didn't realise, yeah, how in-depth the stories were in, oh. in JRPGs back then. That's, that's Yeah, that sounds fascinating in... Look, yeah. now, my, my next game doesn't have a really awesome and complicated and layered story like what, what yours yours obviously did, but, it, you know, it still holds a very special place in my heart, and it's also from back in the uh, old... Well, was yours a PS2 era? Was yeah, it was it? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, mine was also yeah. from back in the PS2 era. Now, my number seven is Ratchet & Clank 2. Now, Ooh. this was called uh, uh, Going Commando, I believe, uh, in the United States. And then in Australia, 
It had a different name. Actually, I forgot to look this up. Locked and loaded. That's right. Locked yeah. and loaded. Oh, so it's Conker's birthday. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. I forgot to, forgot to get the multiple names for it. Yeah, so Ratchet and Clank 2 was released uh, in America as Going Commando. And in Australia, I knew it as Locked and Loaded. A far more boring name, but Australia is surprisingly conservative when it comes to our video games and what we allow over here. Oh, uh, yeah. So, that's yeah. right. The South Park got that, um, you know, that uh, content. Exactly. Sort of, uh, exactly right. Thing. So this was developed by Insomniac, the developers behind the recent really excellent Spider-Man game, uh, and was released in November of 2003 exclusively to the PlayStation 2, and eventually was released on the PlayStation 3 and Vita as well. Now, this game was just an absolute darling for me during the PS2 era. Uh, it, I, I was A friend of mine got the second one, and I played it at their house, and I was just absolutely in love with the story, and the, the, the graphics at the, at the time were amazing, and still, I think, hold up today for 3D graphics. Really, really cool. Okay. The gameplay was great. You could uh, you had all these really awesome weapons. They were very creative with their weapon weapons, which you could also uh, level up as well. Yeah. And when you leveled them up, they would, the weapons would change. They'd get more powerful yeah, and yeah. have different effects, and they, yeah, there was like 20 or 30 different weapons in it. It was oh, so much fun. Uh, you would unlock all these different uh, ways to navigate the map as you as you go through the game. So you would unlock like different thrusters, and and uh, you will unlock hover boots and all these really cool stuff. And this, the 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 main protagonist, Ratchet and Clank, too, were just a great duo. Um, they were sort of like your I don't know. They were like the the sort of dying days of the mascot era, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like when you had you know Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank, they weren't really too sure about. Yeah. Keeping the whole thing going. And then you had your original Banjo and Kazooie, which they all ripped off. Exactly right. And, yeah, I don't know. They, they Somehow, they just the writing was, yeah. was, was great for the time. Uh, and the, the humor was great. So they just really managed to pull it off. It was just a great, wholesome game. It even had a twist to it, which I won't spoil for people here in case they want to play it. And, oh, uh, please re-release this on PlayStation 4. I want to play this so bad. Yeah. I, I played, they, 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 they made a remake of the first game, which yeah. they, they changed and added a bunch of stuff, which they released in 2016 for only 50 bucks. And it was fucking awesome and sold really, really well. So I'm hoping in the future they may do another Ratchet and Clank game, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they're going to be busy doing Spider-Man for a while because that made... So much fucking money. The best-selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. Well, I mean, they can do more than one thing. They can... Uh, <laughs> if there's money to be had, I'm sure they're looking into it. Yeah, they'll probably end up expanding the studio. But, yeah, Sony has bought them now after the success of Spider-Man as well, yeah. too. So they're now a Sony-owned studio. So And it's funny. Spider-Man yeah. is one of those things where it's like... Um, it appeals to children as much as it appeals to adults. So you seem to get everyone on board with that, um, with that franchise. I don't know about um, Ratchet & Clank now. Do you think... That was more to appeal to children, or do you reckon adults oh, could pick uh, it up yeah, and like it? Yeah, it's definitely more to appeal to children. I think if someone went back and played it today, they wouldn't get the. Uh, I think the nostalgia would make a massive difference for me. Okay. I think they'd still have fun with the mechanics of the game because yeah. the, the shooting is, it like isn't too bad. It's a little bit dated in the controls and whatnot. And then there's uh, the that, twist, of course, where um, where Clank gets um, <laughs> gets, gets uh, what is it? <laughs> what, he gets tetanus. 
Clank was inside you all along. <laughs> <laughs> he gets tetanus from um the real the real Ratchet and Clank was the friends we made along the way. Ah, oh god. Any, any, yeah. Anyway, that's <laughs> a, that's enough Ratchet and Clank, a, a beloved game for me for me from back in the day. I would, if they do a remake of it, I would definitely recommend that people pick it up. But yeah, what's that? What's your next game? Your final game for this Ooh. half of our ten favorite games? Oh fuck! Let me just pull up my list again. What am I going to do for my last one? Yeah, all right. So I've got it, and it's actually one of the oldest. It's it's the oldest game on my list. I'm talking about a game from 1994. Oh dang! Yeah, that's my oldest was Pokemon Silver. So you've beat me by yeah, good yeah, five years. Yeah, and and when I when I found out about how old this game actually is, I thought that was mind blowing for its time because <laughs> it's the type of game, in my opinion, that still holds up because of its um it, its art style. Well, so, stop holding me in yeah, suspense! Yeah. What is it? All right, so I'm talking about Earthbound on the SNES. Oh, um, okay, nice. Yeah, so that one was done by HAL Laboratory, of, of course, under Nintendo's watchful guidance. Yeah. Um, and that was... that That is, the in my mind, one of the first best JRPGs. So that, um, that was released originally as Mother 2 in Japan and came out and was re... Um, redistributed and, um, you know, translated for English audiences several years later because it was such a smash hit. Um, that game is so fucking incredible. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this game before? I, I have heard of it, and I think yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of little clips of it, but, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've never played it, never had, never had an SNES, and when I was three, I don't think I was gaming yet, no. So. <sighs> Fuck, this game is so creative. So this game, this is one of the first RPGs that, was already sort of feeling like it was getting... It's both a love letter and also a little bit getting bored with um, with the original JRPG format where you had your typical... You learn Final Fantasy style. You had your fire spells, your blizzard spells, thunder and all that jazz. They still had that, but they had a weird sort of slant and style that they went with on absolutely everything. So the, the game's plot is... Um, surrounds uh, a young boy who basically comes out into the world as he's starting to grow up anyway. Uh, he also discovers that um, aliens exist and aliens are, have already, in a sense, taken over the world that nobody's aware of. Wow. And, um, yeah, and it, it's it's hilarious. Even from the very beginning, there's so much comedy, there's so much humour and just off-kilter off um, sort of artistic style to this game where your alien protagonist that sort of... Um, you know, he, he's sort of the hero of his own um, story in the prologue, is just taking the form of a bee, and his name is Buzz Buzz, and he ends up literally getting swatted to death by just a child okay. after after taking on, like, having this amazing psychic battle with these aliens. He just ends up getting swatted. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, so... It, okay, so was it, is this a turn-based RPG as well? Yeah, it's a turn-based... I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern emerge here. Uh, I do love my RPGs, and this is one of the weirdest RPGs, and it plays around with the typical turn-based model because um, if you take damage, you lose HP even while you're um, making decisions and having moves in the future. So, like, it just keeps going, and particularly towards the end, where you're taking huge amounts of fatal damage... Uh, where you should your character should be dead immediately, but it actually uh, ticks down and you continue losing your your meter over the course of a couple of turns. So it allows you a new game mechanic where if you're fast enough to start the healing process and do other shit, um, you can actually capitalize on their slower timer with ticking down. Um, and it's just one example of several within that game where they really innovate the shit out of the RPG conventions 
of mechanically in artistic style. It's a unique setting of different uh, bosses that you can fight and different areas that you can explore that's just extremely innovative to the normal convention of, of places that you're, that you're exploring in RPGs. So, for example, the very beginning town, you have to defeat the police force, a very modern-seeming sort of police force, before you can go off into the world and start fighting monsters and shit. And then it, it progresses and goes all over the place to... Um, do you know the term cryptozoology? No, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, okay, so cryptozoology is basically a term to sort of encompass all of the weird, spooky things that go on in the world. So if there's um, a fandom or, or, you know, a paranoia skeptic sort of bent on it, that's mm. what cryptozoology is. So when you think about Bigfoot, alien invasions, um, all that sort of shit. And so they really delve into that where you meet the Loch Ness Monster, you are fighting aliens, you're um, even at some point travelling in time and dealing with different dimensions. Like, it really uh, fucking goes into it. Yeah, wow, that, what a, wow, that sounds absolutely insane. Uh-huh. I've seen, seen another theme here, the RPGs you into have these <laughs> really insane sprawling stories where you just don't know where you're going to end up. And that, yeah, that yeah. sounds amazing. Those are the kind of RPGs I enjoy for sure. Absolutely, and that, that for me, is what's impactful is when they really push those game genres and stories to their absolute limits and challenge you on, on new things. Um, the other thing that I will say, um, I don't want to spoil the ending, but the, the boss that you fight is the strangest, most disturbing boss in any game that you will ever battle. And there's enormous story behind that boss and the choice and the music and the sounds and visuals that go on. But I don't want to spoil it. If you do, if you are interested in playing the game, I, I strongly, strongly recommend that you play the game first and experience it. But if you do want to find out what I'm talking about, fucking look up Final Battle with Gygas online. It's incredible. And it is kind of, it's almost sort of like a life-changing story. Yeah, well, well, well far out. Yeah, it sounds really cool. It's one of those ones, you know, I don't know for me if it's one that I would pick up this this far down the track. Uh, but, like, yeah, this, yeah, that story sounds absolutely insane. I might just have to have a quick read-through of the plot or something. Oh, yeah, to, definitely. You're doing yourself a disservice if you're not tr- exploring it in some way. Even look up a YouTube video of yeah. it. It's the type of thing that is interesting to listen. No, that's it. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah sounds really cool. Well, I guess uh, the, my, my number six, uh, uh, the, uh, my number six, I wouldn't say it was life-changing for me, but at the time... I didn't realise it's what video games could be, and that's Uncharted 2. Uh, Now, this game was developed by Naughty Dog and released on the 13th of October 2009 on the PlayStation 3. Now, this this game was uh, was written and directed by Amy Hennig, and she, she became famous... For this game, basically, she 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 had uh, done work before that, but this was what really blew her up. And yeah, basically, I don't know if you're familiar with the Uncharted games at all, but they're they're basically Indiana Jones but video game, <laughs> mm. you know. But it was the first game I played where they incorporated uh, cinematic storytelling and and action into the uh, into not only the cutscenes mm. but the gameplay as well. So you're running through an environment and, you know, the, the floor's collapsing beneath you, you yeah. know, like uh, like people are shooting at you from all directions. Um, you know, there's uh, one segment where a, a, a building falls down that you're inside of. Like, there's all these insane set pieces. Like, I could go through them all, but I don't want to spoil them for anyone just in yeah. case they want to play the game. The train sequence is amazing. 
all these amazing set pieces that you're playing it that that just it, it I, I, I played nothing like it at the time yeah and I remember I played I played through the entire thing it's about a 12 or 13 hour game I played the entire thing in about two sittings I think yeah because I was just obsessed with it this the the characters are so well voice acted uh, the visuals at the time I had not played anything that looked as good as this uh, there were so many moments in it where you know I, I kind of had to you know, shake my head and sort of be like, Jesus Christ, I'm playing a game right yeah. now. It just looks so insane. It sounds like, um, and this is always amazing when it happens, is when a, a game is really graphically pushing things and they have mm. an amazing visually looking game, but mm. they actually do something with it. So they really mm. fuck with you, um, you know, mentally. Yeah. So you can get really super engaged in what's going on. Yeah, rather than just using the visuals as just a selling point, they're using it, using it to, you know, to help, help, support the story yeah. and the characters and the, and the world building and whatnot. Yeah. And it sounds like this is one of those games that really pushes it and, and utilises everything that they have at their disposal. And, and one of the things that it, that it introduced, which I didn't see a lot of in games before that, that they, they, they really uh, sort of uh, sort of popularised, in my opinion, was your NPCs talking to you and reacting to things around the world. They're constantly noticing landmarks and different things sticking out in the environment and talking about them and your character will respond to them and it just adds further to the to the characterization of, of all these different characters and it just brings you further into the story uh yeah some of the best most realized characters i'd ever played in a game at that point it was just so great the story was fantastic all the set pieces were great the third person shooting not the best that you'll ever play in the world. Mm. Like, there's the only thing that, like, it's definitely possible, but it's not something you'd be like, oh, yeah, wait till you do the shooting. It's just like, so mm. it's almost sort of there, but. Have you ever played Max Payne 3? I have. And I, Is I, it I, like that? I enjoyed Max Payne 3, but, like, Is there, there, there's a lot more going on in Uncharted than yeah. in Max Payne 3. Like, Max Payne 3. Uh, there's a lot le- less things happening in the environment. Yeah. The enemies will, will sort of do things as you walk into the room and you know, yeah. make, make it sort of a, a more well. But this is just a way crazier. You're going to, yeah, yeah. You're going to the Himalayas. You're going to, I, yeah, I won't spoil too much. But no, no, but it's, going it's all called, over the it, world. And, yeah. yeah, it's like that. And where, like, you know, the, the, the gunfight, the shooting is, you know, third person over the head and it's not particularly great or, you know, that you can write home about, but it's really yeah. the visual stuff and the story that's, that's right. going on and being an interactive it's, it's, game. It's still fun. It's not yeah. like it's not like it's it's terrible. It's definitely not. It's still, it's, and you still have fun while you're doing it, but you're definitely there for the narrative and yeah. the environments and the characters for sure. Because, yeah, it was the, fir- the, the first game that could engross me so well with that. I'd, and, yeah, as I said, I'd, I'd, it was something that I didn't yeah. know. That video games could be, so yeah, that's our um, that's our first five for our top ten favorite games. I've ranked my ten to six, and Lockie's uh, uh, given his first five. I've just said five. Yeah, no exactly. Ranks. And they're, they're, they're all no, good. Non ranked. They're they're all they're, good they're, and they're all just as good as each other. You bloody communists. Now, <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, that's thanks for listening to news to reviews for another week. If you would like to send us some feedback, maybe you disagreed with some of our choices, or you want to let us know some of the games that you loved, uh, you can always send us an email to news to reviews podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, give us a like, give us a share, give us a review on iTunes, and yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This, this, this is a post-edit audio. <laughs> Lachlan wishes his best. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fantastic.